Hello and welcome to the Language of Mindfulness podcast where you can learn all about how to have amazing conversations every day. I'm your host, mindfulness coach and consultant, communications coach, Brett Hill. You can find out more about what we're doing at languageofmindfulness.com where you can sign up for a free session and for our newsletter. In this edition, I want to talk about something in my trainings and coaching I call the language of now. You know, what that means is learning how to have some facility or some skill, so skill building basically, on how to express what your in-the-moment experience is. Now, mindfulness, as you may recall, is about being present in the moment. And that means paying attention to your experience. When you do that, what do you notice? And how do you describe your experience? I have found from the many classes I've taught and through my coaching that this is something that people generally aren't that good at if you haven't actually worked with it a little bit. So I want to talk about it some because just a little bit can go a long way. So this is kind of a little bit of a lesson, a little bit of coaching and a lot of fun and super useful. Let me give you an example. In a class where I'm teaching mindfulness and communications, we might have an exercise and I'll say, so how was that? And someone would report potentially... Well, I found it very frustrating to try to be present because I just want to think about all this other stuff. So first of all, I would say, great, that's fabulous because you are present enough to know that you wanted to think about other stuff. And that means that you are mindful enough to have that insight. So that's a win, right? First of all. So the second thing, though, is the person's reported that they were frustrated. Now, Frustration, what is that? Let's unpack that a little bit. What is it like to feel frustrated? And so I might ask this, how do you know you were frustrated? Now, that's a question that throws people. Well, how do you mean? What do you mean? How do you know? I just was frustrated. I had a frustrating experience. Okay. What is the experience of being frustrated? What does it feel like to be frustrated? Well, you know, it feels uncomfortable. Great. Yes. Meta level uncomfortable. It reminds me of the times whenever I have arguments with my boss or my spouse. Okay. So there's a memory of other times that you've been frustrated, but is that an in the moment experience? No, that is a moment that is an associative experience. So it's like, you know, having a scoop of ice cream and then remembering every other scoop of ice cream that was like that one that you had it's not the same as the experience of eating that ice cream. It's an association. It's a memory that comes along. That's not bad. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's not the same as what is the feeling of frustration or a feeling of, in this case, you know, eating ice cream. Oh, it's cool on my tongue. Ah, now, now we're getting somewhere where we're actually having a report of of a somatic experience. So that's the underlying word. There's a word called somatic. And if you haven't heard that word, the underlying word soma is, you know, um, I'm not sure what the actual Greek foundation is, but I relate to it as being body in you know, the body sensing. Um, and, and this is a tremendous skill using 
somatic-based language to describe your experience. I know I'm frustrated because I feel my shoulders tighten. I feel my breath get shallow. I start to feel jittery inside. I kind of want to like crawl out of my skin. All those things are very visceral feelings. And so those are the kinds of descriptions, the kind of language that I'm looking for that tell me that someone is really tuned into their body sensing, their somatic experience of what frustration feels like. There's another thing that goes along with me when I'm frustrated is I want to spit out words. I kind of like, I want to react like, well, I just want to call you, shoot them out. I don't want any higher level processing. It's not that I don't want any level process, but there's this urgency behind reporting, retorting quickly without thinking much about what's going on, which is the opposite of mindfulness, right? So frustration is very useful to pay attention to in terms of a somatic experience, because by doing that, you actually undermine the impulse to be on automatic. And so in a certain way, you can see where I'm getting to here is by asking the question, What's it like for you to feel frustrated? What, how do you know you're frustrated? I'm actually coaching and trying to help someone be more present with their feeling of frustration, which actually helps to undermine or kind of work in a, in a neurologically different direction than frustration itself. So consequently, you want to bring mindfulness skills to bear when you're having these moments, because that's when they count. As you hear me say often, if you want to be mindful when you're under stress, you have to practice when you're not. So you have to, must practice being more present with your experience when you're not under stress, or those skills, that capacity, that neurological capability just simply will not be online for you. I use a technical term because that's my background. It just won't be online, won't be there for you, accessible to you when you need it. It's just not there. If you've ever tried to talk to somebody who's having a panic attack and you say to them, hey, just calm down, you know, <laughs> that resource, that calming down resource is just not online. Same thing with trauma. The the, when you're talking to someone who's in a traumatic state, you can't you can't talk them down out of it because um, that part of them is not available. The the higher cognitive functions simply go offline. There are methods for helping, but um, they're more foundational than just talk. So consequently, you have to practice these things when you're not under stress. What kinds of things do you need to practice? Learning to use language that describes your in-the-moment experience. The phrase that I use all the time is, I'm happy to hear that. And when I say that, I'm experiencing happiness. And how do I know I'm experiencing happiness? Because I have this feeling in my heart, literally in my chest area. I feel myself maybe smiling. I have a, a, a sense of I wouldn't say giddiness, but levity. There can be this kind of joyousness in it. All those things I equate with just general state of happiness. And so when I feel that, I'm easy to say, it's easy for me to say, oh, that makes me happy. Or when I hear that, I get really happy. And conversely, I'll say the same thing if I feel sad. Someone says, you know, I didn't get that promotion. Oh, man, I'm really sad to hear that. I'm sorry that happened for you. 
And it's true when I say it. I am feeling sorrow. It's not like it's the end of my world or anything. You know, dive into the depths of despair. But it's legitimate. I'm having a sad experience hearing that happen to someone that I know or care about. Or even if I don't, someone that another human being on the planet had something unfortunate happen to them, I can be in rapport with that without it rocking my world and say, oh gosh, I, I, you know, I would hope that something great would happen to you and I'm sorry that it did and I legitimately am sorry that it didn't. And that's just the way I roll. I'm an empathic sort of character. But that capacity to be empathic opens doors and opportunities to have these deeper conversations with people. Now, an interesting thing happens that once you learn to do this to some degree with yourself, you begin to report on your own in the moment experience from an authentic place in a way that people can hear it. It's not threatening. Like there are going to be times when you're when what you're feeling might not be that easy to express or easy for other people to hear. And so learning to say things like, well, when I hear that, I get sad. Now, if I say that in that way, I'm not saying you made me sad. I'm saying I heard you say something, and and when I heard those words, I'm feeling sad. There's a big difference there. Well, you made me sad by saying that. Don't make me sad. Then I'm blaming them for my experience. And it's not that they're not having an impact on you, but that that they by reporting your your in the moment experience in a truthful, direct way. Someone can look at you and get curious about that, and you can explore that more. And maybe they get defensive. That's legitimate. Maybe they do. They say, well, I didn't mean to make it anywhere. And they go off. They go, okay, I'm sorry. I didn't mean for that to go this way. I'm just saying that when you said that your cat died, I got sad, <laughs> okay, or whatever, whatever's going on for them, right? And, um, and so consequently, you can learn to use language in a way that is self-referenced and honest and at the same time relational in its impact so that I can begin to speak about my in-the-moment experience with people in a way where I own my experience, I don't blame other people, but yet it's there to connect with or connect to. And at the same time, you can then begin to use those same skills with other people. So you see someone else expressing themselves in a, a, a passionate or expressive way, and you notice that that's causing you to get really excited and go, well, I'm really excited for you or with you, you know, and it's like, it's true. It's like you're feeling this reciprocity or resonance is the, a better word, feeling this resonance with them. When you land in those resonant moments with people, they really open doors. People relax. People see that you are connecting to, with them in a way that is potentially uncommon and also can be very nurturing. Some people can be threatened by it because they don't want to be seen and they're hiding a lot. Uh, and that's a whole nother matter. But still, for most people, most of the time, they're happy to be in the presence of someone who's willing to be with them clearly and directly and express their, their own experience clearly and directly. It opens a lot of doors. In this way, you can begin to lean into your in-the-moment experience as an ally for yourself and for other people to orient around in a conversation. You're putting your experience into your words so that they carry the emotional and somatic content, creates a sense of authenticity and power in the words that you use. 
by up-leveling your authenticity, you tremendously improve your authority, your perceived authority. People will start to take you seriously because they can see that you're inhabiting your words. Your experience is in your conversation. You are in your words. You are in the conversation. And that invites them to show up as well. And in that way, you can create the opportunity to have an incredible conversation where one did not exist before. And simply through your willingness to be present with and express the truth of your in-the-moment experience with people within the boundaries of what's bearable, if you will, appropriate is the right word for the, uh, the relationship in, in the time. And so there you go. That's a little mini course, mini lecture, mini be present with your experience and find language to communicate your somatic experience, exploring what's underneath your experience, the, the quality of your embodied experience and using your voice and your words in a way that authentically communicate that experience can deepen your conversations with people, improve trust, improve the relationship and open doors for you in ways that are actually pretty magical once you try it. So play around with it, explore. You will find that people give tremendous amount of flexibility if you're awkward to begin with in this way. And, uh, and, and I'm available, you know, ring me up on uh, languageofmindfulness.com um, and we'll have an exploratory phone call uh, or Zoom call, I should say, and see what it's like because I'm happy to help you with this. There's a free introductory call for the coaching that I do where we can help you develop some skills in this way. And it doesn't take a lot. It's not like months and months and months of work. It, just with a, a little bit of work, a little bit of coaching, you can make big improvements in this dimension. And oftentimes this is very personal because different people have different kinds of resistances, blocks, or capabilities. And so it can vary a little bit. But overall, slow it down. Name your bodily sensation. I'm excited. It feels like this. I'm sad. It feels like this. I'm angry. It feels like this. It feels like I'm tense, like I'm relaxed, like it's expansive, like I want to cry, like I want to yell. Whatever those feelings are, just naming them will help you develop more facility with being someone who's mindful of those experiences in the moment when they occur. And then also learn to relate to that same experience when you witness it in others. So that's a wrap on today's edition of the Language of Mindfulness podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. If so, please leave us a review on iTunes and follow along on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. We'd really appreciate it. And check us out at languageofmindfulness.com where you can sign up for a free coaching session or download our PDF on eight ways to be more mindful in a virtual meeting at languageofmindfulness.com slash eight, number eight ways. Thanks a ton and we're looking forward to a lot of great new content coming up as well. Have a great one and stay present.